Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Yeah. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Yeah. Welcome to the More Perfect Union, the podcast that offers real debate without the hate. And we are excited to make this our 150th episode. Yay us! Hi, I'm Kevin Kelton. Yes, it's quite an accomplishment. Hi, I'm Kevin Kelton, a writer and social media political activist from Los Angeles, California. Hi, I'm DJ McGuire, a cost estimator and musician from Suffolk, Virginia, back and hungover from RavenCon, so I'm solving that by drinking more. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Greg Matuzak, a former political activist and teacher and someone who would gladly flip on President Trump from Cincinnati, <laughs> Ohio. And I'm Rebecca Kushmeider. Um, I am a social policy advocate and a freelance uh, nonprofit writing consultant from Kensington, Maryland. And Rebecca, you're, you've started taking on some new clients in your freelance writing. You do grants, you do nonprofits. I, yes, I, my, my background is in nonprofit work. So I'm, I'm getting back to that um, now that I've got my my kids are both in school, so I have more time to dedicate to professional stuff. So if you are out there and you need somebody to put together some content for your nonprofit, I specialize in fundraising. I've done a lot of social media. I will ghostwrite your blog. I will write your newsletters. I'm I'm here for you. You can check my Facebook page, Rebecca Kushmeider Writer, and uh, get in touch with me. There you go. So this week was dominated by the six foot five inch James Comey. <laughs> who released his new Kiss and Tell book. Has anyone here read it or started to read it or thinking of reading it? I, You know, I thought about it for about like five minutes and I, I, I had uh-huh. it actually in my hands. I started walking towards the front of the store and I was like, you know what? I, I don't think this book is actually going to tell me anything that every news channel hasn't already. I'm going to save my right. $22.50 um, and wait till it comes out at Half Price Books, and I'll pick it up next year. <laughs> well, if you're a good socialist, you could get it from the library. Okay, but we've all read, uh, we've all read excerpts from it, and we've oh, heard oh, yeah. all of the interviews. This oh, guy yeah. does about 30 media interviews a day. Actually, I got to say, I think this is one of the best media blitzes I've ever seen for a book. I'm actually impressed by it. Yeah. Well, his interviews are so good because he keep he says so much awesome stuff in each interview that, that you know, other people are lining up to, you know, get in on that action for the next time slot. It's it's pretty amusing. What do you think is this book going to going to help Comey? Is it going to hurt Comey? Is it going to help Trump? Is it going to hurt Trump? Is it going to help Kevin Kelton? Is it going to hurt Kevin Kelton? <laughs> Well, unless Comey's cutting you in on the profits, it's probably not going to help Kevin Kelton. Uh, shoot. Sorry. 
but yeah, but I mean, I I think Comey probably got a pretty nice advance for this. And no, I I, I think the more he gets his story out in the, I'm going to use my 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 fifty cent word, the zeitgeist, and the more. <laughs> I mean, it's true. The more he gets this out and the more he gets his side of the story and the more that becomes the established line. Why did he tell why did he put the uh, Hillary email uh, thing out two weeks before? And why? And and the more he becomes more human and the more he be. Well, the more we're going to sympathize him and the more that line becomes fact and the more every news station plays that over and over. So this only helps him i think the bigger and more important question is does his book release and we we should talk about the memos does this help or hurt the russian investigation i don't know that it helps or hurts the russian investigation one of one of the things i was thinking about with this book is who's really the audience for it i mean obviously there's the cable news audience people like us who you know want to hear the nitty-gritty and understand what happened in all this. But I think he's also speaking to the Republican establishment and reminding them that he's been an honest broker for most of his career. He's been somebody they could count on to, you know, be thinking like an intelligence professional or a prosecutor. And his conduct, except in a very few cases, has been unquestionable. And when he, you know, he's trying to tell them, when I say a thing, that thing is probably true and you should consider what I'm saying very seriously. And I think that's what a lot of the um, interviews where he's gone on the attack about Trump's character and moral competence have been about. Here's the thing. You know, it seems to me that there were two takes on the whole Trump issue of, of you know, was there collusion? Is he a good president? Is he an honest broker? There are people that look at Robert Mueller and James Comey, and you can throw Andrew McCabe in there, and Rod Rosenstein, and they look at that group, and then they compare them to Donald Trump, Michael Flynn, Paul Manafort, and a guy like Michael Cohen, and they have to evaluate which of those two groups do I think is more trustworthy and more honorable. And amazingly, somewhere between 30 and 40% of the, of the likely voters in this country think that Donald Trump's group is more honorable and trustworthy. And I don't know what you can say to those people. To me, it's so self-evident that whatever you think of James Comey, I mean, Comey, Mueller, McCabe, these guys, career, honest law enforcement professionals have reputations as stellar as the universe. And then you compare them to shady, crooked, lying characters like Donald Trump, I mean, does there is there anyone that doesn't think that Donald Trump is a pathological liar? Yeah, I know really? lots of I know lots of people who do. I, I mean, I don't who, don't who don't think he is who 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 don't think he is. Yeah, I mean, wow. I, I mean, it, it's seriously. Have you have you not had a holiday at my house? I mean, no. he probably <laughs> has not. Greg, the invitation got lost in the mail. Oh my gosh, I'm feeling quite hurt actually. No, seriously. Yeah, I, I mean, once again, maybe it's because I live in the Midwest. Maybe it's because I I I see you know, young people. Um, you know, um, often I I teach um I teach teach in uh, Claremont County. In Warren County, excuse me, um, and they're very very red districts. Um. And they will say things like, no, he's he's never lied. And I'll say things like, well, what about this, this, or this? And they'll say, well, that's not as president. And I'll say, 
what about his first day as president when he lied about having like the largest turnout? I mean, they're like, no, seriously, he may have been wrong about a couple facts, um, but you know, you can't blame <laughs> on him purpose. on Well, you can't blame well, him then, about then intelligence. These are people that you have to discount. Then their opinion doesn't matter but, but because it's antithetical no, to reality. No, 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 no. It's you antithetical to reality. You can't tell. You can't say that your opinion matters more than someone else. Yes, no, I just person, did. I just when, did. I know you oh, just Kevin, did. I know. Greg, you, when Greg where have you been the last vote. three years? He does that all the time. I know he does that all the time. <laughs> Kevin, you're not going to win an argument with anybody if you just say you are all miscreants. Go away and die somewhere. That's not going I, to win I any didn't votes. I say they should go away and die somewhere, and I'm not trying to win. A, I'm not trying to win an argument with them. I'm telling you that we should not be rationalizing what they do. If you're if you're not if you're not going to try to win arguments with them, then we are going to lose again, because the yeah. Democratic Party needs to the Democratic Party needs to expand its no. coalition. Now, we're if you gonna, we're going to win. First of all, you, we won three million more votes than him the last time. We're going to win by expanding that. Yeah. And they were, and they were in the wrong we're place. We're going to win by adding two million more voters to that. That's how we're going to win. And yeah, and where are you going to get them from? We, we're going to get them from the middle and from disaffected Democrats. That's where no, we're going to get. Them you're from. not going to get them. You're those are they're not disaffected Democrats. They are Trump voters. They're gone. They're not coming yeah, back. No, the Trump voters. You're right. They're gone. They're idiots. I don't mean all Trump voters are idiots. I want to correct myself. I mean the ones that believe that Donald Trump is an honorable man and James Comey is the liar amongst those two. They're the ones I have problems with. Anybody that went through the last three months of the 2016 campaign, and I'm talking about Trump University, the, you know, the Access Hollywood tape, all of the other clear untruths that this man told, things about him not paying contractors and, and you know, giving people like, you know, 50 cents on the dollar for work that they'd already done. And then to go through the first year and a half of his administration, if you don't see that this is a dishonorable, lying, narcissistic, and self-obsessed man, then there's no discussion to be had. And, I, and I, I'm not disagreeing with you, Kevin. I'm explaining where it's coming from, and I'm trying to explain to you why there's no point talking to these people. I don't need a people. sociological explanation yes, of the last li- 40 years going back to but, Vietnam. Yes, but, you're list- they're, but they're, Kevin, you're listening. There are people listeners that are do. making a bad uh, mistake. Our listeners are out there across the country trying to figure out, my God, how do I deal with these people? And what they need to understand is that in a lot of cases, the question is just turn away and walk into another room or maybe throw out a question about trade policy and see which person gets skittish and talk to them. Because they're the ones who are intelligent enough to go, hmm, yeah, I don't really agree with Trump on that one. That makes me uneasy. They're the ones you talk to. They're the ones you convince. The ones who reflexively no, I talk defend- to everybody. I'm angry at them, but I bear them no malice, okay? I understand they made the best choice that they could under the circumstances, and they believe they made the right choice. And I have many friends who I disagree with on politics. We just don't discuss politics. That's fine. They should live and live long lives and be happy. I just think that the way for the Democratic Party and for sensible Americans to right this wrong is not to try to figure out what economic policy, what trade policy, what tax plan can we carve together that's going to win over those Rust Belt voters? No. Let's find those Democrats that didn't show up at the polls. Let's find young potential Democrats who aren't in the voting pool yet, and let's find people in the middle who maybe could not stomach pulling the lever for Hillary Clinton, but see what's really going on in this country. 
Let's get them on board. We don't need the other. Okay, so the reality is, especially with that last one, we're, we're really just in violent agreement here, so. Violent agreement. We haven't had an episode of violent agreement in weeks. This <laughs> well, is good. we fix that now. <laughs> I know. Yeah, for our 150th episode, we're, we're bringing back violent agreement. You know who else might be in violent agreements soon? The U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York and Michael Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about that. Because there have Tell been us. there have been whispers all over the place about whether or not Michael Cohen is going to flip on Trump and uh, turn states' evidence, as the saying goes. Donald Trump has been protesting far too much on Twitter, insisting that Cohen will always be loyal to him. While there are whispers on the New York, it were whispers all across mainstream media saying Donald Trump essentially treated Michael Cohen like poo. And, you know, Michael Cohen might decide he's had enough of it and flip on him. The thing that surprises me, and I think it surprises all of us here, is that in all the discussion on will Michael Cohen flip or will Michael Cohen not flip, no one has actually asked, well, do you really think Michael Cohen would have anything on Donald Trump? Because we all just seem to know <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yes, he does. That's conclusion. Like, yes, Donald Trump is a criminal. Will Michael Cohen admit it under questioning or not? And that's... You think of how astonishing that is? That we have national consensus that the president is crooked in some way, whether it has to do with stuff that happened in the campaign or stuff that happened in the prior 40 years of his career. I mean, <laughs> like, there's nobody walking around saying, no, that guy is as pure as the driven snow. There's nothing Michael Cohen could say that would hurt him. No one is, literally, even Trump isn't saying that. Ivanka isn't saying that. <laughs> one, one, one thing about Mr. Cohen that we should note, and I think this is a bit more important than the $130,000 campaign finance violation. Remember we had a discussion, I think, last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, regarding whether or not uh, Cohen was actually in Prague. Yeah. The dossier said he he was. Right, the he insisted dossier. he wasn't. A couple sources told McClatchy that and McClatchy, McClatchy excuse said me, that, they heard that there was evidence he was, and then it kind of yeah. right. They had from two sources that he actually had been there. Well, uh, he actually he had sued Fusion GPS, who was the company that uh, that that employed uh, Mr. Steele, about that mm -hmm. uh, about right, that charge that he was in Prague. He dropped right. that suit this yep, week. Yep, and AMI um, settled with Karen McDougal. Which was also going to the 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 model, the one who who had a ten month affair with Donald Trump, and then uh, the Enquirer bought her story and and, and tamped down on it. Um, that was also going to implicate Michael Cohen, and they settled that. So there's there's some thought that Cohen is um, tying down all these cases so that they don't have to go through discovery, and he exactly. won't be deposed. Exactly. And why He's do you hiding. not want to go through discovery? Because you've got something to hide. Precisely. Yeah. We should be talking, while we're talking about lawsuits, my gosh, we're going long on this one. Yeah. Year's first segment. yeah. But uh, the DNC, the DNC walked into the, uh, a court of law this week and filed a, a, a rather big lawsuit against the Trump campaign. And a lot of other people, too. Yeah, and a lot of other people, too. So who are they suing other than the Trump campaign? Uh, WikiLeaks. They're suing the Trump campaign some, and some Russian oligarchs in WikiLeaks. Nice. This is, I'm sorry, I'm going on a rant here. This is such a stupid <laughs> effing publicity stunt. There was no, absolutely no point to this. It's wonderful. It made, it, it, no, it, it, it makes uh -huh, them look like on. sore losers. It distracts attention <laughs> uh -huh. from what Trump is doing or what he is not doing or what he should be doing. 
It's 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 getting the serious policy issue about Trump's appeasement to Russia lost in all the in all the madness and gobbledygook. It was just it was flat out dumb. Lawsuits don't work in American politics. They just don't. So there there are two ways that that this could go. One is a judge throws it out of the court because they have no standing and um, Tom Perez looks like a fucking idiot and he has to resign. Um, the other thing is either this sort of stagnates and goes nowhere while we wait for somebody to hear it or, you know, a judge says, all right, fine, convince me. And, you know, and they keep delaying it as much as they can um, so that they don't actually have to do anything substantive. Meanwhile, that becomes the core of the Russia talking point. Like, well, we are suing about this. And while we wait for the courts to to have their say, we're going to do these 25 other things as candidates for the House of Representatives or candidates for Senate. And they can just, you know, point to this this lawsuit that everybody knows is effectively meaningless and say the Russia stuff that is handled and we are going to get busy on infrastructure week only real infrastructure week not you know trumpian infrastructure week and that would actually be good if you know if if there's if we have a central talking point that we don't need to elaborate on and and we can turn the election into referenda on more local issues more granular issues and not have it be all about russia and trump and comey and Mueller. well i respectfully want to suggest that both of my colleagues here are missing the bigger picture Here's why I think this suit is brilliant and important and may turn out to be pivotal. As everyone here knows, and a lot of our listeners know, one of the dangers with the Mueller investigation is that he writes up his report, he maybe makes a referral to Rod Rosenstein at the DOJ, and the report gets buried by Rosenstein or by his successor. You know, they do have to turn it over to Congress— but it's a Republican Congress, and they can also vote to bury it, to make sure it never sees the light of day. But if this case still is in the courts, if it doesn't get thrown out, they can subpoena that report as part of their their evidence, and they may be the ones that bring that report to light. I believe that is why the DNC filed this lawsuit. All right. Now, I'll, I'll stop you there, because who's writing that report, Gavin? Robert Mueller and company. Okay, that one. But don't you think that will get you think you think that will be like a, a, a no one's ever going to see this report? There is talk in the media, DJ. I'm sure you've said you've read many of the articles that I've read. Rebecca, you probably have too. Greg, you don't read. No, I'm only joking. No, I was going to say, <laughs> me no read. So Greg never <laughs> liked to read. I was going to say, fired. Another Post attack down. on Post teachers. Down. Okay. Podcaster down. Podcaster down. Send back up. Greg is incredibly well read. I was joking, but um, I was going to say we've many there have been many articles and reports on cable news that have suggested that the Republican tactic will be to wait for Mueller to write his report and they're going to bury it and they're going to pressure Rosenstein or if they remove Rosenstein and replace him, his Trump-appointed replacement will simply bury it. And there's also talk that the House might decide not to release it. Yes, that is a possibility. All right, here, here's here's my belief. Here's my belief, okay? And and then, then we can all tell each other how wrong how we are. How dumb we are. <laughs> <laughs> In the nicest way possible. Um, yes. Look, what did we learn from the Comey memos? What did we learn from the Comey book? Um, all there's that everything no such gets thing... released in the end. 
Yeah, there could be. There's no such thing as there's no such thing as bad publicity. So as long as we keep this in the public eye as much as possible, we cannot forget the three words: Russia, Trump, WikiLeaks. They are all connected. And as long as we keep saying those three things in the same sentence, the more people are going to, if not believe it which they should then more people will believe it okay um and that's the thing that we're going to keep doing it and you're right maybe tom perez will have to step down if this falls but that's okay because half the dnc wanted keith ellison to be a chair anyways and that will set uh 2018 and up to 220 great for all the progressives we're fine with that you know the lawsuit going forward now just gives the appearance of being a useless distraction. If they had waited for the Mueller report to come out and whispers that it had been suppressed, that it had but been suppressed, useless, that's a different though. issue. It's supposed to sway public opinion. Yeah, but it's not going to do that. I don't, I don't think it's going to do that because it, it, gives, it gives Trump the ability to play the sour grape card and the sore loser card. And I, don't, I just don't necessarily think so. I, I don't think this works. When you go to court, but who does he play? But who does he play that card to? He plays that card to his base and to voters who. And might, we're never going to touch. We are never going to touch. I agree base. that, but, but I agree. I agree with play? that, but vote. But vote those those centrist voters that Kevin talked about, who have some concerns mm-hmm. with Trump about an issue about certain issues, and who are looking to who are looking to their side and saying, "Are these folks that I think I could put my vote towards this kind of thing?" I'll be honest, from my perspective, this kind of thing looks a little childish right now. The most important, the more important thing is if, if history of the last, if recent history has shown us anything, it is that if the intelligence community wants something to be leaked, it will be leaked. If the intelligence community and folks in the FBI want Mueller's report put out to the press, it will go to the press. Nothing is going to stop that. Oh, yeah. Happening. No, I mean, it, if nothing else, Adam Schiff will release it. No, you know? he can't if, you know, he's not going to do that if if it's he considered won't. classified. Schiff cannot officially release it, but I guarantee well, but that doesn't you, mean he won't do it. Somebody in the intelligence community will probably make sure, will make sure the Mueller report actually gets well, out. Well, and there, it is possible that Mueller is going to write this in such a way as it's unclassified. James Comey talked about doing that, taking his notes in a way that they were unclassified and he could safely share them with people outside government without you know, fear of, of reprisal for sharing the information. And I am certain Robert Mueller knows how to write an unclassified version that won't harm our, our intelligence um, professionals. And, and let's remember, the it is now, what is it, April? It's April 22nd. So we have at six and a half months until Election Day. The Manafort trial is scheduled for, what, September there's no way that's over by election day. So unless Manafort actually cops a plea, which appears unlikely, this report is not going to be read by this Congress yeah. anyway. Well, no, there is going to be the interim report over the summer. Right. Okay. There will yeah. be an interim report over but the, the yeah, summer. There, there the won't final be final report, findings. The, in, you know, assuming right, the, the, stasis in in personnel. But I just I would I would also like to remind people when as I do whenever Paul Manafort's name come up is that he is currently under house arrest wearing two different electronic monitoring devices 
I, I just like that image. But at least they match. It, it <laughs> makes me happy to think of Paul Manafort with two ankle bracelets on. I still think Manafort is flipping. I don't believe he's going to go through the entire trial. They may start a trial. I don't think it's going to the jury room. Yeah, maybe I don't maybe think they'll so. introduce him to his potential roommate and he'll decide that flipping is better than hanging out. Nah, I don't see this guy going down for Trump. I don't see yeah. it. Hey, it doesn't um, seem like anybody wants to go down for no, Trump. No, Although won't. Michael Cohen wait. is on record saying that he'd take a bullet for Trump. Wait, wait, wait. You know who, who might go down for Trump? Ted Cruz. Because he has gotten <laughs> on the Trump bandwagon <laughs> in his re-election campaign. And he has both feet and all his baggage on that train. Uh, and uh, he's he's in a tough fight. I still think that, that, Tru- that Cruz is ultimately going to prevail in his Texas Senate bid. Uh, for re-election. I do too. But he is going to be in for the fight of his young political career. The fact of the matter is, Texas is slowly, stumblingly moving towards the Democrats. Curious thing here is to see is, particularly in the the Senate race, which is more nationalized, is how close Beto O'Rourke actually gets to Ted Cruz. I think Ted Cruz is going to win too. But if Ted Cruz ends up winning by maybe by only five to six points then we have to start wondering about what Texas is going to do in 2020 because Texas won't be the sure thing in 2020 that it looked to be in 2016. Republicans will have to spend some money to keep Texas in line in 2020. That much I'm fairly certain of. Interesting that you mentioned Arizona, but right now um, the Democratic uh, leader in in the the Senate race there, Kirsten Sinema, is – Ahead of both she, of the Republicans, she beats everybody. Kelly Ward, she beats everybody, and, and Joe Arpaio, and Republic, yeah, and Republicans are already freaking out about what happens if John McCain resigns or dies. When it's not an if, guys. John John McCain no, hasn't that. been in D.C. in months. He's not well. Yeah. We need to anticipate. So that. the the real yeah the realignment in Arizona is moving is moving apace. Yeah, and the realignment in Texas might be too. I'm again. I and think Cruz I will win. Love but Kirsten I don't think Cruz is winning by, by double way. digits. She is badass. I met her over the summer. She's a triathlete. She's incredibly cool. She's smart. She knows her state. She knows her stuff. She is really awesome. And Arizona would be lucky to have her serve them in the Senate. Hey, did you guys see Dana Bash interview Bob Corker this morning on State of the Union? And when she asked yes. him about the fact yes. that he said incredibly nice complimentary things about the Democrat who is running against um, Marsha Blackburn. Who's running against he's, Marsha he's Blackburn. Against, yeah. yeah. I don't know who the Democrat's name is, but I know Marsha Blackburn's nuts. Bill Breston. That Bob Corker was literally Bob Corker was literally speechless. He hemmed and hawed for about five seconds before he could say, hey, um, I'm going to support her, but I'm not going to endorse her. I'm going to endorse her, but I'm not going to campaign for her, but I may vote for her, and I don't know what else to say. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, no. Yeah, uh, uh, it's, it's Phil Bresden. If memory serves, he was a former governor in in Tennessee. He is very well liked there. And we're, we're starting to see, and you know, there was, there was all this talk, if we're going to go full deep into the discussion of the 2018, particularly on the Senate side. There's all this talk about all these Senate seats in uh, states that Trump carried, Democrats having to defend seats in states that Trump carried. And, oh, that's going to be a problem for the Democrats. Oh, that's going to be an issue. But what has happened is the Trumpification of the Republican Party has made that all rather easier. I mean, in West Virginia, for example, 
the Republicans might actually nominate someone who went to jail for mine safety standards so bad that they killed people. I kid you not, folks. The, the guy's name is Blankenship. He may end up the Republican nominee going against Jim Manchin. And if that happens, Jim Manchin, Jim Manchin is safe as Jim Manchin anything can sit back, smoke you can a imagine. Cigar. Right. And it's all good. Yeah. Uh, you're seeing you're seeing uh, the the Republican Party completely implode in Missouri. Uh, you're seeing candidates. Yeah. Oh my in... God, Missouri! That's <laughs> their governor. Every time you turn around, there's another another charge against their governor. That guy's going to jail. Oh yeah. Yeah. The attorney general who is trying to run for the U.S. Senate has come to the conclusion. I think he's come to the conclusion the only way that he can be politically viable is if he gets his own party's governor thrown in jail. That tells you how bad things are in Missouri for the Republicans right now. There's all, been all this talk about whether about a blue wave and just the assumption that that a, a rising tide of Democratic votes will crush through. And I'm not saying that won't happen. I'm not saying it will happen. I'm not saying it won't. What we're also miss what we what we've been missing in this is the discussion of what Donald Trump has done to the Republican Party, and the fact that he has so badly weakened it from within that they are now screwing up even in states where normally you would expect them to easily pick up seats from Democrats. It's not happening because of what Donald Trump has done to the Republican Party. He has normalized behavior that should never have been normalized. And as a result, candidates who will be up in November are going to be far weaker than they would have been. Here in Virginia, we might very well act the Virginia Republicans will probably nominate Corey Stewart. And even if they don't nominate Corey Stewart, they're going to go with a delegate that no one ever heard of until yesterday, who just stood up there, who called the wall, the border wall, fiscally conservative. That's what Wait, the, how, has, has happened to the Republican did, Party. Did the definition of fiscally conservative change since I last looked it up? That he can call the wall fiscally conservative? <laughs> the definition of fiscal conservative is, sadly, whatever Donald Trump says it is. That's why I've, ne I've never liked the label anyway, but it's certainly why I run the hell away from it now. Hey, DJ, since you brought up the blue wave, I want to pontificate on that for a moment and a half. I want to clarify for our listeners, and I'm, I'm now going to make you smarter than all of your friends who aren't listening to our show. <laughs> <laughs> People keep going, is there going to be a blue wave? What's all this talk about a blue wave? What's a blue wave going to look like? Uh, am I going to be hurt by the blue it's wave? It's going to look like a smurf. It's, it's going to be a big wave of smurfs, like anime. Let me explain something. And and. DJ, you'll probably disagree with me. That's okay, but I'm going to put this out there. There is going to be a blue wave in November. The only question is, is it large enough to take the House? The Democrats are going to win many more seats in November than Republicans. They just are. And that's not me being partisan. It's, it's every conceivable political data point shows that. So the question really is, do they only win 20 seats or do they win 25, 26 seats and take control of the House by a seat or two? Or do they win 30 or more seats and have a, a somewhat of a buffer? But when your friends argue with you that, no, I think Republicans are going to win, they're not going to win. They're only going to stave off losing the House. That's the best they can do is lose 18 to 20 to 22 seats and somehow maintain control of the House. Yeah, no, I actually I agree, I agree with you there, Kevin, in that. But this all Democrat, of this Democrat, only happens Democrats if we all get games. out and vote. 
if we make our friends vote, if oh, we yeah. make our People families have to show vote, up and vote. Yeah, you yeah. gotta show up. Do not listen to any predictions of a blue wave, no matter how well founded, Kevin. Um, <laughs> and get complacent. Don't yeah. stay home. Make sure you get out to vote and encourage everybody else to get out to vote too. Waves only happen if we make them. The More Perfect Union, real debate without the hate, now heard on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. So what do you guys think about the whole North Korea thing? Is Trump really going to get concessions out of this guy? Is he just playing us? And and if Trump does actually come away with a some kind of a deal that we can, you know, say is a good deal, should he get the credit for it? Of course he should get the credit. Look, I've, I say this every week. If Trump turns out to be the greatest president in American history, I will be the first one to say, gosh, I've been wrong for the past now going on like two years because that's how two years, two and a half years. I don't know. I've been saying that this is good. This is a huge mistake. Um, He's a terrible human being, let alone president. But if he turns out that this works like everything and we've asked like, what is this works? And, uh, but what if he does, what if he, he solves the North Korean problem, he fixes the economy, which was already being fixed, but that's okay. Um, you know, gets, you know, all childhood diseases are <laughs> ended with him and, you know, everything, you know, we, we figured out that trash is edible. <laughs> I don't know. Because we're actually everything. raccoons and we can eat garbage. Right. You know, Exactly, and and he makes the wall out Soil of garbage. Green Who is cares? people. If all this stuff. Then, okay. Shh, don't tell anyone. The old people just want to see that nice movie at the end, uh, which, by the way, still makes me cry when that nice old gangster dies. Um, but the point being, a point. <laughs> you get it. The point is, I will say I'm wrong if Trump does this. And here's a here's a great example. We all cheered for the Iran uh, for the um, Iran nuclear deal that we made, and it was awesome, and we loved it. I didn't. I know you didn't. You're just being contrary, contrarian. Um, but here's a great one. If this works, we'll all cheer, and his numbers of approval will go well above forty percent, thirty-seven. I don't know, forty percent. Yay! So yes, he should get credit. This could work. Chances are won't. Uh, you know, I I being optimistic. I went sifting through the news last night because you know I I read what the statement was out of North Korea, and then I started looking through all the U.S. coverage, and it was: Is this good for Trump? Is this bad for Trump? Should we be happy for Trump? Should we be sad for Trump? I'm like, I don't actually want to know how to feel about Donald Trump right now. I want to know what is going on with this statement. Is you know, from an historic perspective. I, I, you know, contextualized this for me. So I had to go to the BBC and I felt like DJ reading British analysis of stuff to determine whether or not I thought North Korea was being, um, was acting in good faith on this. And, uh, you know, what did they say? What does that mean to them? What does it mean in light of other statements in the past, other, you know, moments where they voluntarily agreed to stop testing um, and it sounds like what they're trying to say is we don't need to test any more weapons because we have them and we, we know they work and we're going to start negotiating from that point. You know, the admission that that we have these weapons and we are a nuclear power. So that's neither a good thing nor a bad thing. It's, you know, it, it's just a slight tweak to the status quo 
and it's information that we have walking into the summit, but they're not offering to denuclearize. So that, you know, we're, this is not different than it was two days ago. Yeah. The the thing is there was, as Greg, kind of Greg mentioned the Iran deal. I think it was that um, president Obama's deputy, his deputy national security advisor, whose name sadly eludes me right now, who talked about the white house press corps and frankly, just how utterly ignorant they are about the world around them. And how he could he could essentially play them like musical instruments, because really at the end of the day they didn't know anything. And the events of the last week regarding North Korea absolutely prove that. When North Korea says denuclearization, they also include withdrawing the nuclear umbrella protection from South South Korea, and quite possibly even withdrawing American troops from South Korea. When North Korea talks about a permanent peace on the peninsula, they usually mean a withdrawal of American troops from there. And finally, even if North Korea agrees, comes out of this with an agreement to shut down its nuclear weapons program, they, they would be promising in 2018 to adhere to a promise they broke in 2007, 2012. when they promised to adhere to a promise, to a promise they, uh, yeah, oh, or no, 2012. Both. It was both. We're both right. Yeah. In, in two, in, yeah. In 2012, they promised to stop breaking the promise they made in 2007, when they promised to stop breaking the promise they made in 1994. When they promised to stop breaking the promise they made in 1985. I mean, honestly, the, the the best and the best analyst for this whole thing is Roger Daltrey, who wrote who wrote and sang "Don't Get Fooled Again" because that's really what we're talking about here. They are not to be trusted, they are not to be believed, but Donald Trump is dumb enough to believe them, and the and 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 the media press corps is ignorant enough to think this is new and there are not enough people who actually know the damn history of the region to step back and say wait a minute are we being played and the answer is yes kim jong-un has already gotten what he wanted just by the fact that the summit is happening previous right. presidents have always said no it's not going to be direct you you're right. going to have is, folks at the is, table to hold you accountable that's gone is one this of is them awful that... Is one of them won't get fooled again was probably written by Pete Townsend. <laughs> okay, fine. Cool, cool. My apologies to Mr. Townsend. That's literally been bothering me since you said You're that. You're not going to get this kind being... of factual information on any other podcast. Yeah, there, there, it's it's really true. We we bring a level of analysis that's missing everywhere else. <laughs> yes. in, but I want to I want to respond, DJ. I want to respond to you with with two points. First of all, I find it both ironic and pleasant that at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, you excoriated me for calling uh, Trump voters who believe him to be an honorable man dumb. But now you've just called the entire news media dumb. So, um, yeah, because okay. I know they're ignorant. That's okay. I, and frankly, I, I'm, I, I'm I, know, I, I know Trump voters are ignorant too. I love the irony but, of you it. Know. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> but, but the other thing I want to say is I'm going to stick up for Donald Trump right now. Usually Greg is the one who sticks up for Donald Trump. I and, do. And in a left-handed compliment way, I'm about to stick up for him. I think I don't think Trump is fooled for a minute. I think Trump knows ex he knows who Kim Jong Un is, and he knows that he's not to be trusted. But the problem is, Donald Trump has a presidency that is floundering and on the verge of collapse. And I think that he will take a bad deal that he can he can convince enough voters that it's a good deal. He will take that to prop up his presidency. So it's easy for him to come away from that meeting saying, hey, they closed down this nuclear weapons development plant. 
They are letting us keep so many American military forces on the 38th parallel. They've promised not to do this, that, and the other. He can cite four or five promises. Maybe he'll come away with one or two or three of the hostages that they're holding. And he will call it a tremendous victory because he doesn't care if they break their promise two years from now or six years from now. He couldn't care less. All he wants is a first-place medallion to put around his neck so he can show the shiny, bright medallion of diplomacy and success to the American electorate. If that was a defense of Donald Trump, I hate to see what happens when you decide to prosecute That's him. That's the best he's ever going to get from <laughs> wow. So what you're saying is that he thinks he can sell this. He doesn't yes. care that there's no substance. Right, absolutely. He thinks he can sell it to the American people. He knows he's, he he's can. He's P.T. Barnuming his way through international diplomatic relations. Frankly, he probably will. I want to circle back to something DJ said. Considering everything we've talked about in this show, from whether James Comey and Andrew McCabe are honorable men to whether, you know, the president of the United States is an honorable man, is honor dead? That's my question to you. Is honor dead in American politics? Is honor dead? Uh, I would say honor is probably in the ICU. I'm not willing to say it's necessarily dead, but it's hurting. It's hurting and it's in bad shape. And, and we're allowing this, to, and I agree with you, and we're allowing this to happen. And I think that's the ultimate, the ultimate um, sadness. Tragedy would be the good the word. The ultimate tragedy. The ultimate tragedy, tragedy. of the Trump tragedy. administration. It's not policy. It's not about Donald Trump. It's the fact that honor is gone. In American politics, it may come back, but for the time being, there is no honor in American politics. There are usually a couple of things that drive. We we've seen situations where where a lot of the old honor where where honors seem to be fading and seem to be seem to get lost in everything, and it's usually due to three things: one, a dramatic change in what is considered acceptable manners. And really going through a lot of that these days with what is considered political correctness. A lot of that is about changing, really changing and updating manners to the 21st century. Uh, the other is if you have a situation where, where there's not one dominant political faction. We really haven't had a majority party in America probably since 1965. It's been about 50 years. Neither the Republicans or the Democrats have been able to grab the majority, the majority mantle so neither the Republicans or Democrats have had to felt the feeling of being in a permanent minority and recognizing that conflict is not necessarily the way to go. We're not there yet. When we get there, we might see honor restored because more people are looking past short-term political victories because the short-term is not really important. Everybody will understand the long-term political situation. They'll say, oh, look, the Democrats are obviously the majority. I acknowledge that's where I think this is going. And the Republicans are obviously the minority. That will force the Republicans to be more transactional, and that may that may bring honor back. Essentially, the American people have been suffering from indecision for nearly half a century. They got to f and decide. That's the problem. I have a slightly different take on this because I, I've talked about this in relation to um, religion, as and and I think it, it holds true a little bit here too. There's a difference between the parochial and the hierarchical. And hierarchically, yes, there's a problem with honor. The the parties, the the talking points, what we see on the media, 
all of that is really devoid of honor. It's devoid of compassion. It's devoid of a lot of good things. But if you meet with your individual member of Congress, and assuming your individual member of Congress isn't what my husband likes to call part of the talk radio caucus, the people who are constantly on TV or on radio trying to make points for for leadership's sake, um, they are honorable people. And on a parochial level, they are there to serve their constituents. And they want to hear what you have to say. They want to do the right thing. And they are serving two masters, one of whom is you, and one of whom is Paul Ryan or Nancy Pelosi or Mitch McConnell or Chuck Schumer, for better or for worse. And they're in a, in a lot of cases, their better angels do guide them, and we have to give them credit for that. And and I, I'm always very frustrated when I hear people talk about, well, all politicians are corrupt, all politicians are bad, all politicians are in it for the wrong reasons, because in my experience meeting politicians, that just hasn't been true. And I, I'd like to speak to their humanity, and for most of them, their, their intent to actually be public servant. That's all I want to say. And it's well said. <laughs> Thank you. Let's wrap up with something a little lighter and a little bit more upbeat than everything else that's going on in the world. As we said at the <laughs> beginning of this podcast, this is our 150th episode. We've been doing it, I think, two and a half years. Greg, you've been with us from the beginning. I think I was among the first. Or you were with the first, the first group, Kevin. You, it was you, and it was you and, and I, Al Mead. And Jonah Knight. Um, um, and then we added DJ Jonah soon afterwards. Knight. Yeah, I remember that because I remember um, the second episode, uh, we still hadn't really kind of worked out how this whole talking thing worked. And DJ just, if you can imagine, okay, use your imagination, everyone. DJ just wouldn't stop talking that second one. I don't think they need to rely on their imagination for that one, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> they need to go back exactly. about a minute and a half. Exactly. Um, <laughs> what, what DJ doesn't know, what DJ doesn't know, was that Al Mead, who's who's a fantastic guy, has his has has his own um, podcast uh, called uh, The Dental Hacks. It's wonderful. Al and I had this long conversation where I was like, Al, and I've known Al since college. I was like, Al, he's really smart. He really knows what he's doing. Does, does he know he talks that much? And Al goes, I, I don't know. And I go, okay, he'll get better, right? He'll stop talking that much. He goes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He'll, do, no, he'll get better. I, I, I am, I am... <laughs> oh, Al of, of, um, of misguided faith. Yeah, I am narcissistic enough to enjoy the sound of my own voice, but I am self-aware enough to recognize that flaw. <laughs> <laughs> And I want to mention I want to mention that we also had some other great hosts along the way, including Emily Brewer, Helena Haywood hey, hey, Helena yeah. Haywood Henry. Henry. Helena Haywood Henry, H H H like yeah. Hubert H. Humphrey. Um, right. <laughs> Only not at all. Uh, Molly Cooper. We had Molly Cooper. Yeah, Dr. Molly Cooper. We had Cliff Dunn. Cliff, Cliff of yeah. course. Yeah, Cliff was awesome. You know, I, I think I was. I think we've been really lucky to have worked with all these people. Um, I've been really happy and fascinated that I can now say that I have friends that I can discuss politics that are just fascinating and much more interesting <laughs> than me, um, and much more knowledgeable. <laughs> so, so Greg, you brought up an idea, and I think it's a good one. Why don't we go around and talk about our favorite, or maybe our most infamous memory from those 150 episodes? Anybody want to start? Yeah, I'll start. 
My favorite was not actually on this one. I was actually asked to do another podcast about our podcast. Um, it was a uh, it was um, a uh, religious podcast, and they were doing one about how different people from different uh, viewpoints of politics can get along. And that was the question. Um, how do you guys on this podcast talk about politics every week and still remain friends? And my answer was, oh, it's simple. Editing. <laughs> editing is how we get along. <laughs> and uh, which, by the way, Kevin does a great Believe job me, of editing. We're going to really save our friendship with my editing this week, too. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we're going to save trust our me. listener base with the yes. editing on this one. Oh, we're, absolutely. Uh, we've gone long. Oh, jeez, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, Rebecca, do you have a favorite? Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I liked it. You know, I, I, I remember back to the, the first couple I did with you guys, and I was so, so desperate to impress you all, and I was writing out notes and doing lots of research ahead of time, and so I would come in with, like, three pages of notes that I would ultimately be, like, crumpling up and throwing over my shoulder because, you know, it's, it, it, I realized that I didn't, I didn't need to be, I didn't need to sound prepared. I needed to, you know, be a little more spontaneous. And it's, it, I contrast that with now when, you know, we, we have this shared Google Doc that we use to, to work on the, the rundown every week. And I think I check it now at like four o'clock on Sundays, you know, <laughs> type in a few things, drive Greg crazy by changing the whole line <laughs> in the last minute, oh, you which is, you know, nuts. different than my many pages of notes from my early part of my tenure. DJ, what about you? Do you have any memories that you'd like to share? Um. D- DJ doesn't remember. He's always been talking. He's this always been all drunk. Of this is true. Um, <laughs> you know, probably, well, uh, you know, for me, the one that I'll always remember the most uh, will be the one we did before Election Day when I came out for Clinton. And that was going to be that was going to be one of the two I was going to mention. Yes, it was just it was the you know, it clearly screwed up the balance on the on the podcast. But, you know, nobody cares about that anymore. But it was just, you know, it was the culmination of, of what a long, strange trip it's been. I've said before, for you Expanse fans out there, the political spectrum threw me around like a Martian Congressional Republic naval vessel dropping into combat maneuvers out of a 3G burn with no crash couch. You can't just say pinball like everybody else. No, I can't. <laughs> because that's too short, and I like the sound of my own voice. We've been through this. Um, but it's, it's just nice to have... It's just nice to have friends around me who've who've held me on this journey and who've who've made it been uh far more enjoyable and far less traumatic than it could have been in this highly tribalist era what about you kevin oh thank you i was gonna i have two and, and my first one was gonna be the one that dj mentioned so i won't go through that but i did think that that was a highlight um but my my most vivid memory of the show and i'm gonna uh, i'm not making fun of alan mead now but i'm gonna tell a story about alan and alan is a great guy and i was I was very sad when he decided not to continue on the show. But I want to tell this story because it just makes me crack up. So early on in our tenure on this show, we did get – our debates did get a lot more heated. And frankly, DJ and I, before we got a sense of who each other were, we did go at it like cats and dogs some weeks. And so this was back during the primary season in like late 2015 or early 2016. I'm I'm not exactly sure when. Um, But – there was some hot discussion that we were all involved with. Jonah was there, and um, and DJ and I just like were tearing each other apart. 
And finally, there was a silence because we had both gone to our individual corners. And Greg, I think you said, Alan, what do you think? And Alan just took a moment and he said, I don't care. You know what? <laughs> I, I don't care that. anymore. I, I, I got to tell you guys, that. I just don't care. I remember I don't, that. And he, he, For the rest of the show, he just kept saying, I don't care. <laughs> and the next week he was gone. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the next week he resigned. <laughs> He just said, guys, I yeah. really don't care anymore. <laughs> it was Syria. We went after each other over Syria, and for whatever reason, that was I, – I had like a hitch in my breath or something in that every time I was talking, I couldn't get more than a sentence out because I had to stop and catch oh, my yes, breath. Oh, yes, that's right. And when I, and when I, do, th- and when I do that, I, yeah. sound, I, I sound much more freaked out than I normally am. So I, he probably just thought I was – he probably thought I was going crazy, <laughs> uh, which I was because I was running out of oxygen. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, I'd rather we just said, I don't care. And I'm like, oh, shit, we just lost Alan. <laughs> but he really did. He hit a wall at that moment. And again, I love Alan. He's a great guy. I wish that he would come back and, and uh, do one or more episodes. Um, but anyways, so with that, we want to thank people for not only listening to this rambling diatribe of Kevin Kelton opinions and everybody else's pronouncements that they're wrong. But we want to thank uh, everybody for listening to 150 episodes of it. So please follow us on Twitter at hashtag MPU podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com slash more perfect union podcast. And we would really appreciate it if you would share our link on your Facebook timeline and tell your friends about us so we can grow even more listeners and add to the gobs of money that we already make. <laughs> and if you like discussing politics, you can find us between shows in a group on Facebook called Open Fire Politics. We're all there uh, spreading our opinions during the week, and we'd love to see you jump in and, and add yours. So, guys and gals, um, any predictions on what we'll be talking about in our 300th episode? Well, you know, our first episode is entitled something like uh, Trump and the primaries or something like that. He's never going away. He's always going to be. We're going to be talking about him forever. They're never going to get that Trump smell out of the White House. <laughs> oh, God. What do you, like, what would the Trump smell be? Is it like, you know, cheeseburgers and grill cream? What? <laughs> <laughs> With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.